Welcome to Ennisbrook Church. We hope this message from our sex and location pastor, Jared Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. We, um, uh, we've been discussing following Jesus and, uh, of course, uh, discussing this topic of foundations, which I kind of feel like I don't need to say because you can read it on the screen. Uh, it's just there. But the foundations of faith and foundations of uh, discipleship, which has been very, very cool over the past couple of weeks, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more today. You want to enjoy the uh, King's Coronation last night? You want to watch it? Yeah, a lot of hands, a lot of people. Powerful, powerful uh, moment, isn't it? Uh, incredible to see faith uh, being so incredibly exampled and displayed in that moment of time. And uh, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I just found it very inspiring. Um, incredible what this new king has to owe or commit his life to, eh? Not just, uh, not just his, his role or his job, but also to our king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Um, so uh, very, very cool. Exciting to see where that goes. Um, but uh, is that funny? Was that funny? <laughs> right, let me, uh, let me share some thoughts with you. I actually had God put this uh, thought on my heart about a week ago. Everyone say, about a week ago. <laughs> it was uh, a message on forgiveness. Um, I really felt to, to share on forgiveness. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. I want to declare today that your forgiveness is a key to your freedom. That a follower of Jesus Christ knows forgiveness in their heart for themselves, but also for others. Um, uh, this, is a, this is awesome. This is huge. Jesus dying on the cross for us made a way for us to live a forgiven life. To be forgiven by God means that your sins have been removed you've, and, have been res- and a restoration has taken place. By God's gracious gift of forgiveness through Christ, any wrongdoing you have done, Anything wrong you have done in life is now no longer held against you, but God who is so eager to forgive and he provides a forgiveness for you through faith in Jesus Christ. And today it is your choice to receive that forgiveness. Psalm 103 verse 11, this is how much he has forgiven you, just in case you didn't know. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our wrongdoings and our mistakes from us. Amazing scripture. I remember um, when I was younger, when I was uh, around maybe 10 or 11, at the stage of life where I think um, I was discovering my own like, faith in God. You know, I was, obviously I've been brought up in church my whole life and I spent a lot of time running around this building, in fact, after school, on school days, and, um, you know, broke, it, broke many things, actually. <laughs> And paid for many things too, just so you know. I remember getting sent invoices by a man named Rex Hunt. And uh, well, I didn't get emailed them. My parents probably did and then I had to pay for it. But um, I remember a season in my life and even though I'd been around church and was brought up in church and my parents were the senior pastors of a church, uh, I knew the things of God, 
that I knew the amazing story of salvation. I knew God's grace for me. I knew all that God had done for me, but I was doing something in church that was wrong and was unnecessary. And the thing that I would do, I wanna tell you about, it's kind of weird, it's kind of funny, you might relate to it, is every time a preacher or someone would get up and would give a, an altar call, a salvation altar call. You know the moment in the service where the preacher says, everyone under the sound of my voice on the count of three, Always on the count of three. I reckon we should make it ten. Count of ten. <laughs> That'd be so so long. I imagine it'd be so funny. But it, uh, every time that this preacher would give uh, a salvation altar call, you in the moment where someone would make a decision to follow Jesus, I'd be the first one to put my hand up. And I remember this period of time in my life, and I don't know if you did this when you were younger too, but I seemed to feel like I needed to do it every single salvation altar call. It'd be like a youth camp. I'd be like, yep, me again. Be a Sunday morning, me again. You know, be a youth, youth night or something like that. Oh, yep, that's me again. It'd be a preteens event, which was called Ignition at the time. Yep, Jared Liebzeit putting his hand up again, just bumping the stats up on salvation every single week. <laughs> <laughs> that's inappropriate. You shouldn't say that type of thing in church. <clears throat> it's me all the time. I was always putting my hand up. Every time the call was made, I would respond. I'd be like, yep, that's me. I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. I was thinking... <laughs> I would be thinking about all the wrong things I had done that week and out of a feeling of guilt and potentially a misbelief that if I didn't respond in a salvation altar call that I was going to go to hell because I thought God maybe was angry with me because of the things that I had done that week or, or maybe, maybe I had to earn back his acceptance so I'd be the first to put my hand up. And then I don't know who organized it. It was probably my father who organized it. A youth leader came alongside me and said, Jared, this is not necessary. You don't have to do it every single week. You can move on from this. My issue was, is that I had a misbelief. And because of that, I was struggling to accept God's forgiveness. Struggling to accept God's forgiveness. Let me explain. See, the truth is, and what I learned from a one conversation with this amazing youth leader, is that through Jesus, our forgiveness is secure and it's final. That it's not just for the moments when we're able to do good things, or it's not even just for the moments where we, where we do bad things. You're not just forgiven on the good days. His forgiveness actually covers us every single day. Every day. Every day. Jamie, is Caleb all good? Awesome, fantastic, that's good. Um, his forgiveness covers us every single day. In fact, according to God's word and his standards, you will never have a day that is good enough by yourself that qualifies you for God's forgiveness. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means that there is no day that you can act good enough to actually by yourself earn and qualify for the forgiveness of God. But if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then forgiveness is yours forever. You don't have to just grab it for a day or two. It doesn't just cover you week to week. It's not just like today I have to reset and get forgiveness again. No, you have a forgiven life. Your, your life is forgiven. Your every day is forgiven. God's forgiveness is for all of us and it covers all the things that you may have done up until this point, all the things that you will do, all the things that will go on. His grace is enough and it covers all of it. All your wrongdoings are covered by His forgiveness. Such great news. It is really the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. But I, I think that there's some bad news today that I want to share. And uh, sorry to be the one to have to do this. But sometimes, you know, when it comes to the truth and a truth that sets you free, first, it'll make you maybe a little bit uncomfortable. 
First is maybe some things that you have to learn. And uh, I mean, every preacher has to have attention in their message. And so I, I want to share a problem with you today and then hopefully a solution for that problem. And uh, I, I think that this is going to speak to someone today because there are some of us who maybe are like a younger Jared who struggle to accept God's forgiveness. But there are some of us in the room who actually continue to reject God's forgiveness. And it's not because of how you treat Jesus, but it's because of how you treat other people. Matthew 6 verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, this is, of course is Jesus speaking, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins or others' sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you do not forgive others and their sins, not just sins against God, but sin against you, the moment that people hurt you, cause pain in your life, or offense in your life. If we're not able to forgive them, then this scripture, Jesus says that he is not able to actually forgive you. I have this amazing thought that you might want to write down as a note, potentially, or put it on the screen as well, just so you can remember it. You can't take a hold of heavenly forgiveness if you're still holding on to an earthly offense. You can't take a hold of heavenly forgiveness if you're still holding on to earthly offense. If someone in life has caused you pain and you have decided that they don't deserve to be forgiven and instead you are holding a grudge against them or offense towards them, then you have maybe unknowingly rejected God's forgiveness for your life. And that seems so unfair. That just is tough, man. Like, why, why is this the way it is, man? What they did is so bad. In fact, what they did, what that pain that was caused in my life was, seemed so unforgivable. Like how much forgiveness am I supposed to have in my life? How many times do I have to forgive people in my life? Why do I need to forgive people like this? Because it so, seems so hard to do. Matthew 18 verse 21, Peter actually asked the same question of Jesus. This might be familiar to you, but he asked Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Is it seven times? Peter's thinking he's like being like pretty generous. Seven times seems like a pretty decent amount, Jesus. Is that enough? Is that, is that what it would take? Jesus replies and says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Before you get your calculator out, it's 490 times, okay? <laughs> but the number, by the way, is kind of semantics. It's not really like the big picture. Basically, Jesus is saying it needs to be a lot. How many times do you need to forgive people? Jesus is saying, so many times. Like this is a huge, huge, huge feat for us. He goes on and he shares the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he would be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed, uh, owned sorry, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. 
He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. He's gone from being forgiven to now being an evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. It's a heavy story. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus is laying down the law here. And this is a lot for us today to take in. I want to explain this a little bit. Jesus uses this story to paint a picture, I believe, of our life. That he would be the king of this incredible kingdom. That he would be this king in the story. And that you and I, we would come to him with so much debt. Oh, what we owe him, the debt that we, we have to pay Jesus for our mistakes from a life of mistakes would be such a great debt to pay back. In fact, it would be so much that you never could ever pay it back fully. You could never pay it back in full by yourself. But if we were to get down on our knees and surrender to him, that he would wipe the debt from our name, that we would be released and we would be forgiven and forgiven for all of our sins. For all that we owe him for, we will be forgiven. The other servant in the story is our neighbor, is our friend, our family, or our workmates. Servants of the king, I believe, followers of Jesus, you and me, we are meant to treat people the way that the king would treat people. Well, the way that this king, Jesus, has treated you is exactly how we are called to treat others. It is actually Incredible. Today's word for the day is Ephesians. And uh, it says in this incredible scripture, which by the way, I had in my notes before today. Okay. So ahead of time. It says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So when we fail to forgive each other, we will continue to live a life of imprisonment. The king hands a servant over for torture in prison. What happens is we become trapped and we get stuck and we stay wounded and in pain. You will find, in fact, if you have unforgiveness in your life, that you just cannot move on. For some of us, it feels like we have to hold forgiveness to ourselves and that's a way of us being able to move on. That's that's how how we're trying to process it or or work through pain or work through whatever the struggle is. But we have to understand that if we want to move on in life, then we have to learn forgiveness. Because when we have an inability to forgive and to forgive others, it turns us away from God's forgiveness for us. Jesus, though, is not using his story to condemn us. In fact, Jesus's words never condemn. And today's thought is not about condemning you. But today's thought is about a conviction. And it is always a Holy Spirit conviction. And yeah, the scriptures say that the truth will set us free. And this is one of those truths that will set us free. That if you can learn to get forgiveness in your heart, even for something that happened to you as a child, even for something that is just like way back in your memory, I'm not asking you to go all the way back and try and like dig for the painful things. But I fully believe that today, if we could learn forgiveness for others, then we can have freedom for ourselves. Because the truth will set you free. Oh, Jesus always speaks the truth. This is, this is the truth. 
So he's not looking to condemn, but he's encouraging us. It's a Holy Spirit conviction. And this is the thought that forgiveness, it should be easy. Forgiveness should be easy. If Jesus can forgive us of our debt as easily as he did, then a disciple of Jesus, listen, should not feel a burden of forgiveness, but should feel that they are graced for forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness should not be something that is heavy, for he does not give us a heavy yoke, but his yoke is light. His burden is a burden of ease. It lifts off our shoulders and it helps us in our, in our life. That's who he is. That's how he, that's how he works. But if he can forgive us of our great debt, then we should know what it is to not feel that burden, but understand the grace of forgiveness that is on our life. He wants it to be easy for us because the king does not want his servants locked up. He doesn't want his servants locked up. Jesus doesn't want you walking around like you're still wounded. He doesn't want you a wounded Christian. He doesn't want me wounded in my life. He wants me to be healed and free in my world, in my life. Have you ever met a wounded Christian? Have you ever met anyone, uh, like the wounds of their life maybe are symbolic of, of past offenses or thing that, things that went on? And a wounded Christian is, is normally someone that has a very negative disposition on life. We call them negative Nancy. No offense if that's your name here today. Um, life, life for them is tough. They, um, they seem judgmental of others are quick to judge. They don't have much grace or, or, or kindness or compassion for people. They talk about what's bad more than what's good in life. They go through life in a way bleeding on people because they simply haven't done the work to allow their wounds to heal. They haven't done the work to allow their wounds to heal. So every room that they walk into, it's like they leave this blood splatter across the room and everyone is affected by them, impacted by them. It's, it's, not a pretty, it's not a pretty sight. God does not want us to be a wounded generation or wound, a wounded Christian. In fact, when it comes to uh, wounds, what happens to a wound that is actually allowed to heal? Does anyone know? Becomes a scar. Becomes a, becomes a scar. Forgiveness, in fact, helps our wounds become scars. It might leave a mark on you, but it doesn't mean that there's pain that's still left over. It might still be a mark on your life. You might still be able to see the remnants of something that went on, but it doesn't mean that it's still painful. I have a few scars on my body and a few broken bones, broken my clavicle. Uh, twice on both ends, so it's kind of floating. No, it's not. Um, broke my arm a couple times. I broke my hand actually just a couple years ago. That was pretty stupid. Um, but I have a scar on my finger, and you won't be able to see it, but it's just a little scar right there um, that I see. And I see it every day because it's just on my index finger right there. And I did it because um, I was, we, we bought this boat, and it was a great boat. It's our first boat, Skiwi, legendary. And uh, I bought a new anchor for the boat. And so I was fixing the anchor to the chain that, was, that it came with. And um, what I had to do is I had to actually break off an old rusty, uh, you know, D-shackle. And uh, as I was doing that, um, I, it was just like rusted out, wouldn't move, wouldn't, wouldn't shift. I couldn't undo the bolt. And so I ended up having to cut it. And of course, I went to the garage and the first thing I found was like a really old but trusty angle grinder. And uh, so I got it out and I had it on the D-shackle and pliers. I was holding it with the, with the pliers like this. And imagine this, here's the grinder. I was kind of just like, 
you know, grinding away. And as sure enough, it broke through, broke through and it freed the bolt. And as it did that, just nicked the side of my finger. And uh, anyone want to see the photo of my finger? Just close your eyes if you don't like blood. Um, here's a photo of my finger. There it is. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Kind of don't look too closely if you don't like it. But I asked the whole heap of people, should I show it? And they were like, yeah, definitely show it. It's not that bad. So it's on all of them, not on me. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I, uh, I, like, I remember, oh, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> Take it off. Leave it, leave it off. Leave it off. But I remember this moment, and what I was doing was not smart. It was stupid and whatever. I went to, um, to A&E, and actually they glued it up. And then I got home, and I remember the glue just fell out. I was just like, well, maybe I should have got stitches. I don't know. But uh, just a de- decent little flesh wound. It wasn't really too serious. And in fact, it's just left a really small scar. But it reminds me of a time where this one small little cut on my finger, just a small part of my body, actually had an impact on my entire body. For a couple of weeks, it was really tough to even just wash my hands. <laughs> it stung, okay? It really stung. It was really painful. Oh, man. And uh, I know that there's uh, definitely some bigger scars that you can have in life than just a small one on your finger, but I see it all the time. I see it every day, and it just reminds me that you can even have the smallest wound in your life. You may be here today, and you may have just been offended a little bit, but it's just compiled. Or, or maybe, maybe someone said something that you just, man, you just disagreed with or they made fun of you or, or someone left you. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel like someone's cheated you. Maybe it's in business, you got ripped off. Man, maybe there's just someone who made a joke that was just so insensitive, but everyone laughed and, and you've just been left offended. Until this wound is allowed to heal, even if it's small, it will keep hurting your entire life. It will affect even the smallest little details. Like, yes, washing my hands, it's ridiculous and silly. But we must forgive the hurt in our life in order to heal in our life. Wounds cannot stay wounds. They must become scars. Scars are okay. You can have scars. I think some people preach you shouldn't have scars. And maybe there is some truth in the fact that Jesus wipes us clean of all of our mistakes. I've got some more to share on that soon. <laughs> Man, I almost did a Brent Lee design. Jumped ahead in my sermon. <laughs> we must forgive the hurt in life in order to heal. Some of the keys, I think, to finding freedom through forgiveness, and I'm just going to hit these pretty fast if that's okay. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Is everyone okay with this, by the way? Yeah. Forgiveness is not forgetting. They say forgive and forget. I think it's incorrect. People who want to forget all that was done to them face an impossible task. And when God says that he will remember our sins no more, that he will take them as far as the east is from the west, he will no longer consider our transgressions. He is saying that he will not hold us against our past or hold our past against us. Forgetting is a long-term byproduct of forgiveness, but it is never a means towards it. Don't put off forgiving those that have hurt you, hoping that the pain might go away. In fact, once you choose to forgive someone, then Christ will really be able to heal your wounds and you will find that you are no longer thinking about the wound that you once had. You have, in a way, forgotten about it. We don't heal in order to forgive. We forgive in order to heal. We have to make sure we get that the right way around. Second thing, forgiveness brings you out of captivity. 
and it brings you out of captivity. They don't deserve my forgiveness, people say. Man, they've hurt me too much. Jared, if only you knew what they had done. No other human really knows about another person's pain, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows your, what you've faced. Oh, he knows what you've been through. And he instructs us to forgive others, not for their sake, but for our own sake. For our own sake. And until you can let go of your bitterness, maybe your hatred, the person that you are feeling offended by is in fact still hurting you. Nobody can fix your past, but you can be free from your past. What you gain by forgiving is freedom from your past and from the abuse of others. You might think that forgiveness is letting someone off free as if they were the ones that were being held captive by you, but realize today that you were the one who was holding yourself in captivity. When we're able to forgive, we're set free. We leave captivity. Freedom doesn't wait. When Jesus was on the cross to die, he didn't wait for those that were crucifying him to apologize before he forgave them. Even while they mocked him and they jeered at him and they put him on that cross, what did he pray? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes, even after forgiveness, there can still be a little bit of pain because forgiveness doesn't change the way we feel. In fact, forgiveness is not about a feeling, but in fact, it is a decision. And it's a decision that cannot wait. You cannot wait until you feel like the moment's right. You cannot wait till you feel like, oh, yep, they deserve forgiveness now. Now, maybe they should apologize, all that type of thing. And that is definitely a part of it. And that, that can happen. But, but what if it's someone who's not here or that you can't reach out to or that you maybe don't talk to? Forgiveness works just here with us. In fact, forgiveness starts with us and it does not have to wait. And this last thing, forgiveness is a decision of free will. I need the band to come and join me, please. Forgiveness is a decision of free will. Once you choose to forgive, freedom comes into your life. Once you make the decision, that's it. Even if I don't feel it, I'm choosing to forgive today. Freedom comes into your life. The enemy, in fact, loses his hold on you and God will begin to heal your damaged emotions. Forgiveness heals the wounds of our past. Forgiveness should be easy. Forgiveness is what we all need in our life. We need to receive it today from Jesus, but we also need to learn how to give it. And sometimes we can be really good at taking. We have to learn how to be generous with our forgiveness uh, today in, in, our, in our life. This is the problem. The problem is not forgiveness. It's there and it's ready and it's available for us. The problem is that you took offense on something. You took something, in fact, that you did not have to take. They didn't give you offense, but you took offense. They didn't give it to you. Offense isn't something that is given, but it's always taken, right? It's always taken. And you maybe are taking things that you don't have to take. So I want to say today, let them say what they want to say. Let them do what they want to do. I don't have to take the offense on. And when the enemy comes to you and says, hey, you should be offended, you tell the enemy, I don't have to take that. I don't have to take offense. 
that offense isn't for me to take on board. I don't have, it's not mine to take. And that may not change the way that you feel about it. In fact, that may not change that it maybe hurt you a little bit. But if you don't allow offense in, it won't be able to become bitterness in your life. It won't be able to attach itself to you to create a wound that will continue to hurt you on and on and on. I wanted just to share the idea today that hopefully someone can receive it. We cannot take a hold of heavenly forgiveness if we are still holding on to an earthly offence. So can we let go of the offence today? Who do you need to forgive today? What offence do you need to let go of? Just as Jesus would forgive you, as far as the east is from the west, He removes your transgressions. He removes the mistakes that you made towards Him. And your mistakes towards Him are far worse than what anyone could ever do towards you. It should be easy, but we make it hard. So we put walls up. We feel like it's our way of, of moving on. You feel like you're moving on, but the truth is that you're actually still wounded. You're still wounded. I don't want to be a wounded Christian. I don't want to be a wounded dad. I don't want to be a wounded father or husband or friend. For us in the room, maybe you don't want to be a wounded mother anymore. So many of us are walking around still wounded when it's about time that we allowed the wounds of our life to become scars. The story where Jesus appears to his disciples, and it's a week after he's risen from the dead, and his disciples are gathered in this room. The Bible says that the door is locked. They're afraid. They're just gathering and they're scared, scared for their lives. They don't know what's about to happen. And Jesus appears. They think it's a ghost. <laughs> Familiar. It's happened before. And Jesus turns up. And what does he do? He says, hey, it's me. I want to show you something. He kind of like rolls up the sleeves of his robe. Imagine that's what he did. And he has some scars to show. And doubting Thomas, if you know the story, he, he said, I need to see those scars to believe that it's actually Jesus. And so Jesus shows Thomas, hey, come look at the scars. Come look at these marks in my hands and in my feet. Jesus turns up and the first thing that he says to his disciples is, guys, you just gotta, you gotta check out. This is what they did to me. This is what they did to me. Jesus' resurrected body in all of its glory, in all of its power, what power it took to raise him up from the dead and yet he still had scars to show. Wouldn't you think that maybe if he could be resurrected from the dead, that the scars would be completely healed, that there wouldn't be any marks to show, that there wouldn't be anything that would be a remembrance of what happened to him? Jesus, though, didn't appear to his disciples with nails still in his hands. He didn't appear to his disciples with a crown of thorns around his head, saying, guys, look at this, I'm ruined. He didn't appear saying, I'm still wounded and I don't know if I'm going to get through this. But he turns up and he says, you've got to see these scars, man. Like, some scars are cool. You know, remember that when I was younger? People were like, yeah, scars, that's what the ladies like. <laughs> it's all for Alicia, obviously. But... but Jesus turns up and he doesn't have all of that. There's no more nails. There's no more crown of thorns. There's no more spear in his side. 
There's no more pain in his body because he had overcome all of that and all that was left were the scars and they remained because they had a purpose. The scars remain in his body as a reminder of the forgiveness that he had to pour out, that he had already given so freely, even as they persecuted him, even as they hung him on that tree, even as they put him through the torture and imprisonment and pain. He said, I've forgiven them for what they have done. They don't have to say sorry. They don't even have to apologize. There's no shame in his scars. And there's no shame in your scars. There's no shame in your scars. It's just a sign that you have allowed a healing work to happen in your life. Because forgiveness, forgiveness is here and the nails have been removed. The nails have been removed. Whatever the offense is that they threw at you in the work of Jesus, through the work of Jesus, it can be removed. You can be free of it. And today I think some people need to get free of it. Maybe you've had someone on your mind, even now, just someone, someone on, your, on your mind that just pops into your heart. Maybe God's placed someone in your heart. Maybe it's someone that you can think of. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.